as cash-strapped colleges and universities raise tuition, increase instructor workload, and deal with the shortage of financial aid, it seems that not everyone within higher education is suffering. Indeed, salaries for university presidents and administrators continue to increase, according to a new survey by the Chronicle for Higher Education, I say the Chronicle of Higher Education, which is the, uh, the trade publication for higher education. Uh, according to the survey, the median pay at public research universities rose nearly 8% over the previous year to over $427,000. That means that half of colleges surveyed paid their leaders more than that, half paid less. In California, near insolvency hasn't stopped administrators within the Cal State University system for receiving hefty pay increases. Uh, just a week ago, Cal State University Chancellor Charles Reed approved salary increases of up to 19% for nine vice presidents at four of the CSU's uh, 23 campuses. Uh, he also approved 11 new appointments of vice presidents with salaries as high as $225,000 apiece. All of this begs the question, are California's tax dollars paying for higher education or for higher administrative salaries? Here to talk about this is Paul Fain. Paul Fain is a senior reporter for the Chronicle of Higher Education, where he's covered university leaders since 2004. He writes about many of the hot issues in higher education, including college costs and university governance. As a primary contributor to the Chronicle's annual executive compensation survey, Fain is a widely quoted source on presidential salaries and the job market for college leaders. He's won several national and state awards during his reporting career, including an Education Writers Association Award for Beat Reporting prior to joining the Chronicle. Fain wrote for Seville Weekly, a news weekly in Charlottesville, Virginia. He's also written for the Philadelphia City Paper, Washington City Paper, and Mother Jones Magazine. And he joins us now on Justice or Justice. Good morning, Paul. Hello, how are you? Good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And um, I guess I should begin by letting listeners know, though I'm sure they're, they're pretty aware, that I do work for the CSU system, so I'm not mm -hmm. uh, an, uh, a completely objective party in this, but uh, this is a show on uh, community radio about activism, so I'm really never completely sure. uh, an objective uh, observer here. But... Uh, why don't we uh, begin by uh, taking a look at kind of at an overview of university president executive salaries? And maybe we should begin by making a distinction between public universities and private universities. Sure. We, we do this survey each year, um, and it looks at uh, the, the most recent available data uh, for private and public universities. And actually, the private schools <clears throat> don't have to report um, everything that the publics do, and there's a little lag time for them. This is about a year and a half old and about, oh, about six months now old for the publics. But we found medians, as you, as you mentioned, of $427,000 a year for uh, the public university presidents. And the privates do a little better uh, at 527000 a year, and that's, that's their total compensation. And as you may know, that's not just salary. It gets kind of, it's, it's somewhat like the, the corporate model, which has migrated to higher education. It involves bonuses and things like deferred compensation and housing allowances as well. Yeah, we, I know that uh, the Cal State University system, our president has... Uh this this mansion that uh, that houses him and has for the past 18 years on this this wonderful ranch and while it does kind of 
uh, Mirror also as a, a location for catered events right. and, and so forth. Uh, still, he, he lives quite comfortably. Um, make the case for these salaries. I'm going to come right out and, and say that I really don't know uh, too much what university presidents do, but I do know that uh, even family and friends uh, assume that the job of just a professor, which which associate professor, which is my rank, uh, they assume that we've got it easy, that uh, we only teach three days a week and the rest right. of the time. Rather, so let us be sure to give everybody a fair shake here, because uh, you know I know that uh, it's it's easy to simply pass judgment. So, what is the case for a median income of uh, four hundred twenty seven thousand? The the simple answer to that is it's a it's a a market decided number that uh, you basically have to pay to play. And, and I think the governing boards that decide these salaries would say that they need to, to fork up that sort of money to get somebody as an investment for the university. Um, it, believe it or not, they are pretty volatile jobs. And it they, the, the real ideal, people tell me, is a 10-year stint as a public university president. So to get someone and to keep someone who can do that job well for 10 years is difficult. Um, and one thing that I always, to kind of put it in a little context, a former chancellor over at UCLA was, I think, the 10th or 11th highest paid person in his own institution. So, you know, I think presidents, you know, the case for $427,000 is that, you know, if, if you're looking and comparing them to football coaches or the chair of a medical uh, operation or something else is not all that high. Um, now that's that's the the governing board's defense. I would I would I guess you could say. What's interesting about that, I think, is that we are though talking about public institutions. So when we say that it's market driven, that <clears throat> might be fine if we're talking about the private sector. But by uh, by design, uh, public universities and colleges and community colleges are not supposed to have the kind of influences from the market that the private sector sure. has. But I do think, you know, here, here's the real answer, too. It, these jobs require a, a very broad range of skills. I, I'm sure you would agree with me on this. Uh, your chancellor has to be a cheerleader in terms of dealing with the legislature, donors, corporate partnerships, but then also has to have the respect of faculty, which, you know, is not always easy. Um, so it has to have usually some academic background or credentials. Students, parents, uh, and the media, and, and I know folks in California in particular have to be good at that. So it is a rare mix of skills. And so there are actually, and I've heard this from quite a few sources, they do struggle to find people who can do it. Um, and, and in California, you've had some some failures, frankly, uh, of people who weren't able up to the job, really, um, in terms of having all of those skills. So when you, when you have that in the mix and you're competing with other institutions, it derived, it's an arms race. And, you know, to, to be really frank, and I know it's hard to believe, and believe me, I'm a reporter, so uh, salaries get a little skewed in my mind here, but $427,000 is actually, you know, um, some of the California schools pay less than that. And when you factor in um, the cost of living and the volatility in your state in terms of funding and all that, it is actually hard to hire people there, I've heard. Um, so that that's what drives up the cost. They want to make sure they get someone who isn't hired away by a private university with more money or another state university, say, in Washington State that pays 750000 
want to remind listeners they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Justice. We're speaking with Paul Fain. He is a reporter for the Chronicle of Higher Education. We're talking about uh, higher education, presidential pay, and uh, all things related. Uh, it, it is certainly true uh, that universities in uh, California uh, pay their, uh, we'll call them executives, because we'll include presidents and sure. chancellors and so forth, do pay them less. And that's one of the arguments that uh, that we hear with the California Faculty Association, uh, which of which I'm a member, uh, often struggle with because it is in fact true that we do pay them relatively less, but uh, we they still get uh, a hefty salary. Let's turn to the bonuses then, because sure. it's one thing to say that okay, they they are deserving of uh, you know higher pays for for the job they're doing, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking at uh, now this is an outlier, of course, so we should state that. But it was a, uh, the president of Ohio State University received a bonus of three hundred ten thousand dollars i mean that's it's one thing to to get that a year it's another thing for that to be on top of what you're already getting sure yeah and that's that's obviously one of the more uh controversial aspects of these these pay packages and i think it really gets to a deep tension in higher education in terms of you know the old model was an academic who you know was was working in an academic climate and and that's not really the case anymore these really are businesses and they pay salaries that mirror, although they're much smaller, uh, the business world. And so that's why you see these bonuses and things like golden handcuffs and golden parachutes. And, you know, I think with that outlier, the state really wants to keep him there and wants to keep him happy. But it is $1.3 million in total compensation appropriate for a public university president. I think a lot of people would say no. Um, And I think it gets particularly difficult in times like now when the schools are really struggling to make ends meet. And that's why you see a lot of these presidents giving money back or turning down raises and bonuses. I don't know if you saw the Stanford president yes. actually voluntarily cut his pay by 10%. And there's, we're seeing a lot of that right now. And I want to get to that, but you, you just raised uh, one of the issues that I think a lot of listeners uh, and faculty and students, I should point out, uh, are curious about. How is it possible for universities to be able to find money for these bonuses at a time when uh, the the federal economy, I mean, a lot of universities have uh, invested in Wall Street. And so, mm-hmm. so where does this money come from? Well, you know, these are most institutions, we'll, we'll, we'll pick on Ohio State again, they're multi-billion dollar operations. So, <clears throat> they, you know, although $1.3 million is nothing to laugh at, it is kind of a drop in the bucket, and they can play the shell game and move money here and there. But you know, to, to really, actually, something we've seen for a long time, uh, growing in higher education, some of this money comes from private sources. Uh, you know, often we'll see salary supplements or bonuses coming from uh, affiliated foundations, uh, private fundraising arms that are. Uh, related to the university, but don't share the same pot of money. And that's a way to kind of get around um, some of the scrutiny in terms of, you know, the public pot where tuition and and taxpayer dollars come from. Um, but it's also sensitive, too, because, you know, there's, there's, there's their own controversial issues in terms of using private money to pay these people. Well, and just assuming that it's public funds, I mean, let's let's be fair and say that, uh, you know, at, at a time when, when states are 
you know, having major financial uh, cutbacks, a bonus of $310,000, it's not even a drop in a bucket. It's not even a drop. I mean, it's not going to be enough, you know, to, uh, so when we get to the the president's giving back, and I do want to give credit where credit's due, so we will talk about that. Um, but it's it's more of a symbolic gesture, and I think as we said off the air, it's it's PR. And there are a lot of universities, including I think the the Cal State system, where you know it's the, the public be damned. But when I think of that, I mean, looking at a three hundred and ten thousand dollar bonus, um, I know that universities uh, across the country are having hiring freezes. Right. At the Cal State system, or at least at my Cal State campus, three hundred and ten thousand dollars could hire five professors right. at a starting salary. So it might appear to be a, a drop in the bucket if we're talking about the overall budget, yes. but at the same time, when you fail to hire more professors, then that means that professors such as myself and others have higher course loads and higher student loads. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, First of all, symbolism cuts both ways. There, there's a symbolic payoff in terms of voluntary, voluntarily cutting your salary, even if it doesn't help the overall budget. And there's a symbolic price to receiving a bonus like that that is going to rankle people far beyond the actual budget pain that it inflicts. But I, I do think you're right. Uh, you know, universities, even big ones with big budgets, are, are really looking at their books hard and, and cutting every little bit they can because money is extremely tight, particularly in states like California and Florida. So one last question, and then we'll, we'll move on to uh, to kind of taking a look at the bigger, broader uh, trends about people giving back and mm-hmm. looking at the broader. But one of the things that I find so interesting is that how are universities set up? That is, what is the relationship between uh, the executives, the administrators of universities and state governments? So how is it possible for Schwarzenegger, if we're going to talk about California, to uh, announce cuts to the Cal State University system almost simultaneously with the Cal State University Chancellor making these decisions to give salaries to, you know, uh, higher salaries to 11, I think it was. Uh, is... I know that univer- that public universities want to be autonomous for obvious reasons, you know, right. academic freedom, tenure. Is that what allows these things to? Is it a double-edged sword? Well, it's, as you, you're asking a good question. It's a very complex system in California, and every state um, does it slightly differently. Um, you've got, you know, not only the administrator of the central system um, that calls a lot of the budget shots, You've got folks on campus who who have some control over their own purse strings. Then you have um, a governing board um, who, who I think in this case, uh, it's it's appointed by the governor. Is that correct? I believe so. And so you've got, you know, it gets very complicated. I know that's the case for UC, um, and I'm pretty sure that's the case for for CSU. So, yeah, that that board has power in the, the ultimate oversight of the universities, uh, everything, basically. They're the fiduciaries. Um, Charlie Reed, the chancellor, uh, can, you know, present a budget and can work with the governor and the board uh, on, on budget figures, but you basically have several cooks in the kitchen. Um, you know, the, the governor himself um, controls the overall budget and has the, you know, the, the ability to yank money away um, whenever he, he, he can. And so, you know, the board can complain and, and that the chancellor and the campuses can complain, but if the state doesn't have the money, uh, that, you know, that's going to cause problems no matter what they do. 
And and I think part of it also is this idea of academic freedom or autonomy that you want universities to be separate from political influences. Mm-hmm. And of course, that could be uh, that could be somewhat uh, tricky because then you've got you know complete autonomy when it comes to budgets. But um, all right, well let's take well, a, go ahead. I was just going to say what, what you do one related point to that, and I think which gets to the salaries. Uh, you know, I know you have a real budget crisis out there. Obviously, I've, I've been reading about it a lot and hearing about it. You know, Charlie Reed is is your advocate. He's someone who the governor knows uh, and who has a lot of clout in in the state. And I think that's why it would be really disastrous to lose him. I think that's a real justification. Some people would say for paying these people enough to keep them around. Well, it's it's rough because uh, again, I'll I'll step out of the objective role and get a little subjective. Sure. I mean, I have been uh, I'm in my seventh year, so I just received tenure. We've had one raise in mm-hmm. this in the now six years. I'm in my seventh year um, that I've been a professor at at uh, Cal State Fullerton in Orange County, where the average cost of a home. Uh, before the the collapse of the housing market was about five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. So when I hear people say that you know the cost of housing and you need to have an advocate and so forth, we've taken a salary freeze. Right. I mean, we've and yet the chancellor has given himself a raise. I believe every year that I've been here. Now that's a hard sell to make on someone like myself who's in his mid thirties and came out of grad school owing close to eighty thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. You know. So I mean. I certainly can respect the uh, the desire to to keep you know Charles Reed. I know that you know his reputation. He's he is a a nationally, if not internationally, prominent figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's a hard case to make, not only for people like me, but for the taxpayers. No, you're not alone in that. And as you may have seen, there's a, a story hitting the the wires right now. Actually, uh, a state lawmaker had just introduced a bill to, to freeze. Uh, executives pay at CSU and UC because of, of this very issue. Uh, you know, a $28 billion deficit, and you see raises like this, it's going to be tough for people to swallow no matter what the justification. Well, let's take a look at uh, the responses on both sides of the issue. Uh, one of the things that uh, I found interesting to read was that it was uh, not only uh, the Senate Finance Committee, but it was uh, the top Republican on uh, the Senate Finance Committee who mm-hmm. uh, has spoken up. Can you tell listeners about that? Yeah, this is an issue that has come all the way to to, to Washington and has been very hot on Capitol Hill for a while. It, lawmakers tell us that they're hearing a lot from their constituents that, who are very upset about the increasing cost of college, and that's what drives really all of this issue, is that the general public is feeling the sting of, of increasing tuition, and, and particularly when their own... Uh, uh, finances are, are really struggling. So the uh, the Senate Finance Committee, which is, is a very powerful committee here in Washington, uh, Senator Charles Grassley is the the the, the gadfly uh, politician, really, when it comes to cracking down on abuses, has been really questioning colleges in terms of whether or not their 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 finances are being handled properly, whether there's some waste and abuse, and um, among other things, he's he's questioned executive compensation. Um, in, t- in a time when tuition is going up, and um, the endowment holdings of schools, as you, as you know, the investment holdings of colleges have gotten very large at some of the wealthier schools like Harvard, and uh, they often spend less than uh, 5% of that per year, 
and uh, Senator Grassley had, had proposed earlier maybe re- requiring schools to spend 5% of their holdings each year. That issue's gotten all muddled now, the fact that they're losing money hand over fist. Even Harvard has a hiring freeze now because of a really disastrous investment season for them. But it's, it, you know, executive pay is something that always, always um, gets people uh, rankled on either side of the aisle. You've got Democrats and Republicans who are concerned about this. We're speaking with Paul Fain. He is a senior reporter with the Chronicle of Higher Education, which uh, I should say not only is really the trade uh, newspaper for uh, higher education, but really has some great articles and book reviews and discussions of research. So uh, we'll give out the uh, web address and information about that later in the program. But, uh, you know, just before going on the air, I got a call from a listener who wanted me to point out that as the three automaker giants are going to be in uh, D.C. today, the uh, the executives have uh, decided to uh, put a, a salary freeze and caps on, on their compensation and that uh, in light of that, it might be good PR for, for more of uh, the executives in higher education to, to do the same. And yet, as the Chronicle's been reporting, uh, this is now becoming a trend. So how did this trend start? And can you give some case studies of some of the pre- uh, presidents who are taking pay cuts? Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely, as, as, we, as you know, it's... it's They've been going up for a long time, um, and depending on how you cut it, some of the public university presidents, the overall salary medians are up 30% over five years. That trend has seemed to, to have reversed due to the economic climate, and I'm guessing on our survey next year we're going to see very flat salaries. It's interesting and kind of counterintuitive. A lot of the wealthier schools are being hit the hardest because they had the most uh, investment holdings. Um, some of them have lost several billion dollars in the value of their investments, and that just puts a real freeze on their their plans to advance and, and build new labs and hire faculty. So, presidents at Washington University and St. Louis and uh, UPenn and uh, now Stanford um, have all either cut their salaries voluntarily or given money back to the school for scholarships. But we've seen it all over the place and in public universities and even community colleges now, where presidents realizing just how really difficult the economy is and how upset people are, just realize that, you know, public relations uh, hit of, of seeing a, a salary increase is just going to be too much to take. Uh, the, 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 pres- the, chair- the chancellor of the Kentucky system of community colleges who makes $610,000 a year just froze his own salary. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's an entire range of, of institutions. And what has been the public response both to the increase in uh, executive pay and then the decision to uh, for some of these presidents to take these cuts? I mean, reading in the Chronicle, uh, I think it was the, the Stanford president who uh, was at a shopping mall or on an escalator and someone came up to him and, and thanked him. Uh, and yet... Uh, going online to the Chronicle of Higher Education, you kind of have the little blogs at the end of the articles, and uh, uh, it's been a few days since I've looked at it, but some of the readers are quite cynical. Yeah, it's funny. It, you really can't, it's probably not funny to the presidents themselves, you can't win with this one. Um, you know, I think overall, people see these as, as good gestures, and uh, uh, at least if nothing else, the fact that these people are really taking the financial crisis very seriously. But, you know, I think it inevitably brings up the fact of how much they made to begin with. 
and there's a lot of bitterness about this. And I think it gets to some very deep personal issues. I and mean, obviously for you and for faculty members who, uh, you know, went into substantial debt to, to be credentialed and, and are struggling with salaries that are, you know, really, frankly, not fair, um, given what you do, that's going to always be just such a tough issue when you see someone who makes $700,000, even if they are giving some back. But I think for the general public, you know, I, I've never seen so much interest in this uh, survey that we do. And it was all over the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and a lot of public outrage about this. I think because it's such a personal thing. I think people link the president directly to the running of the institution and the tuition that they either spent going to college or for their children. And it just becomes a very personal, sensitive issue to see how much they make. And for some strange reason that I can't quite figure out, the football coach is making $5 million as they do at Alabama, um, which is 10 times what the president makes there. That doesn't seem to, to upset people the same way, at least not in my experience. Well, that's a whole a whole nother ball of wax. And let me say that I agree with you completely on that. Um, but, you know, it, it seems that uh, there is a perfect storm now because you do have, uh, you know, all the investment banks, you know, AIG, after they get the bailout in, I think it was Palm Springs, California, they were out, you know, at $1,000 uh, a plate dinners or whatever it was. And so when when one looks at it, it, it I, I think what's what scares people, whether you're, you're in education or just a taxpayer, is that it appears that public universities uh, are quickly becoming what appear to be private entities, that the, right. the line di- distinguishing public versus private. And I'm sure that the Chronicle has covered this, you know, where corporations now fund, you know, new research labs. And then, of course, anything that is uh, discovered or invented in that lab becomes uh, the proprietorship of that corporation and, and things of that nature. And I think that that really is, is what explains it. I mean, I, I, I think if the context, if the economic context were different, we'd be having a different conversation. I agree. I think that the general public holds universities to a very high standard. I mean, everybody loves higher education. Everybody wants it to succeed. Everybody wants to participate in it. And college presidents are the the leaders. That's where the buck stops. And I think it's a very tough situation for them. These are extremely uh, cost-heavy operations and there it's very hard to control costs there you've got everything from health care to very labor intensive these employ a lot of people to facilities where everything is getting more expensive any any time you see inflation or increasing costs colleges get hit hard by them so they have to look everywhere for new money they have to you know invest more aggressively with their endowments they have to do more private fundraising they have to look for corporate partnerships and all those things, you know, enable the institution to, to do more, to hire more, to pay people more. But each time they, you know, they, they venture forth into something new, it raises questions of, you know, should we be this close with corporations, as you, as you say. So it's, a very, it's kind of a no-win situation in a lot of ways when money is this tight. Well, I know that you are a, a reporter and you do your best to stay objective, but this is a show about activism. And so uh, what do you recommend uh, students, faculty, 
parents, taxpayers who are concerned about this do? Should they put pressure on the presidents to take more of these pay cuts or to decline their bonuses? I mean, if, if not just for PR purposes at this, this point, or w- what do you recommend? Well, it's a tough question. Um, I think, you know, if, if your listeners are interested in the issue, um, there's definitely something to rally around now that you have this bill that was uh, or, or will be introduced in the state legislature. I think it's by Anthony uh, Portentino um, to, to freeze uh, compensation for, for administrators because the, the, the CSU and UC systems, as you mentioned earlier, have the latitude to do that on their own, but it looks like at least some in state government are, are, are considering whether or not that's a good idea, um, allowing them to control salaries. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's a very tough question. I, I guess the, the general thing I would say would be if, if you're upset about this issue is to really re- read a, bu- a budget document on, you know, the CSU or UC websites. There's, there, it really, they're much more complex than you might think in terms of what sort of operations they're trying to run. And, and the holes in terms of the budget are pretty scary, frankly. Um, and I think, you know, just having a better idea of the overall budget picture might help educate folks on, on what's appropriate in terms of salary and, and on how important the jobs are. Um, conversely, you know, how, how high the stakes are to get a president who can bring in these $20 million gifts and can hire the right people to manage the operation. Hmm. And finally, uh, Tell our listeners a bit, if you can, about the Chronicle of Higher Education. We certainly broadcast from the University of California, Irvine campus. There's certainly a lot of grad students and uh, professors who listen. So uh, just give a little plug for the Chronicle and let them know what they could find. We're always glad to do that. Um, you know, we, we try to be the comprehensive publication for this really fascinating industry. Uh, we've got reporters covering issues from all over the country. Um, I have a reporter actually based in California and Berkeley, and, and we send people out there all the time. We do, uh, if you go to chronicle.com, we do daily stories all day long, every day, and also in-depth features. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always interested in hearing what readers think, so so drop me a line if, if you're interested and tell us what you'd like us to cover. But it's, it's, it's a very fast-changing and fascinating industry, and it keeps us on our toes, that's for sure. I mean, it, it's, it really is. I mean, the, some of the things that are covered, uh, I'm just looking at the November 28th and November 21st, you know, anything from the role of technology uh, in education and technology in the classroom to uh, articles about whether adjuncts hurt or help the quality of education uh, to uh, things about sports and and book reviews and it's uh, it's really a, a a great paper not only if you're in uh, higher education but if you're concerned about uh, issues of education technology and the arts so uh, check it out the website again is uh, chronicle.com and uh, Paul Fain I want to thank you so much for joining us and helping us make uh, sense and get a little bit more clarity about the complexity of uh, executive compensation. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it and I I hope I helped.